Welcome to another episode of Adding Context, a podcast of compelling conversations centered on advancing and enhancing the human experience. I am your host, Michael Bollins. Last episode, we began a conversation with Miss Deborah Driggs. We spoke about our childhood, modeling, and acting careers. This episode, we pick up the conversation with her transition from entertainment to insurance. What was the transition from the entertainment industry to the insurance industry? Well, the, the, the transition really happened out of necessity. It happened because I got divorced myself. I got divorced. I had three young children when I got divorced. They were in first, second, and fourth grade. And there was no money. I was 40 years old, and I found myself broke, three children, no career. I didn't know what what the heck I was going to do. And, you know, I was really living in fear most of the time. You know, I didn't know it at the time. You know, it's always great to look back and go, oh, that's what was going on. Okay. But when you're in it, you just don't know. Right. And so I was just living out of complete fear. And so I did a a variety of different jobs just to get by, just to buy groceries. And then I had called the the gentleman that did the insurance for my ex-husband and I, and I had referred him quite a bit of business. And I called him and I said, hey, you know, if I refer you business, can I get paid? And he just, there was this long pause and he just said, Deborah, go get your license. Again, another mentor, seeing it for me where I can't see it for myself. And so I went and I got my license. And in July, I got my license in December of 2010. But I had already been referring and making money. But when I got my license, I was on a mission to never be broke again. And so I, by the, I want to say July... July, August, and September of 2011, I was on my way to being the number one life agent for one of our carriers. So the difference between the company I have and being a life agent is that I'm not captive. I'm licensed, actually, with all the insurance carriers. So I work for the client, not the the life insurance company. And so for one of the companies that I was licensed with, they just had a product back in 2011 and 12 that I, it was a good product and I sold a lot of it. And I just remember they were like, who is Deborah? I was, I used my married name for legal because it's my legal name. So I said, they were like, who's Deborah Gaylord? You know, how is she the number one agent? She doesn't even work for us. And so it was kind of the joke. And then I was getting invited on all these cruises and, all these, you know, interesting things. And I couldn't do it because I had, you know, the kids. I was raising my kids. And so I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. But but that was really the, you know, it wasn't like I was forced, but it was necessity. It was how am I going to raise my kids and have enough money? And I would say things like, I, okay, I just want enough money to get my kids through school. Just let me get my kids through school And I'll be so forever grateful, you know, so you have to be really careful what you're asking for in the universe, because (laughs) the universe is listening at all times. And so that all happened. I got my kids through school and got them through what they needed in 
you know, they're adults now. And during the pandemic, it hit me that I had been playing it very safe. And now I needed to get out of my comfort zone again and do what I really love in my heart and go back to what I really love. And that is being a teacher in, in a sense, you know, and I feel that I have a great message through my story and through all my ups and downs. And I'm just giving you a very small piece of it. But this is, I spent the pandemic writing a book and it was really, really hard for me to do that because I had to really re, not relive, but rethink about all those traumas and write about them. Because the only way to really get my what I really want people to be inspired from, you have to be authentically open to doing that. Agreed. And you have to go, you have to go deep because I, I want people to go, Oh my God, she went through that. I'm going through that. I, you know, I'm relatable. When you read my book, I am relatable. People are going to get it. They're going to go, you know, because I've had people say to me, you know, and I, I struggle with a lot of, I hate to use the word disorders, but, Let's use that word instead of mental health issues. But I have struggles. Like I at times don't want to leave my house, you know, and I get paralyzed with fear and I get caught up in anxiety and I have nights where I don't sleep. And so I go through these things. And so I have tools now to help me alleviate when it happens in things that I do. And so that's the stuff that I want to teach and share. And I want to inspire people to to do it themselves because it's, it's a serious business. Yeah. You know, when you feel alone and paralyzed with these things, like I would say to myself, things like I do everything right. Why do I feel this way? And I'd be so frustrated. Like, like I just remember I knew there was something wrong when I didn't want to do the things I loved anymore. That's usually a big indicator for a lot of people. That's when it really became, and it really, all of this stuff hit me in my 40s, like a ton of bricks. And I, and my divorce, you know, as sad as it was, I will say the, you know, when you have to look at what's good and bad. And so what's good about my divorce is that it really forced me into a spiritual and emotional growth. That's when I was like, okay, now I have to work on myself. And it really put me into this snowballing of the more I started discovering things and like, oh, this is why this is happening and getting really brutally honest with, you know what, Deb, you're an asshole. You're behaving like an asshole in these situations, but here's why. And not, you know, there's a big difference of saying you're an asshole or you're behaving like an asshole. Agreed. And so when I started to change my language and start to realize it's, I'm not a bad person, I'm behaving badly, or I'm not fucked up. I had fucked up things happen. Right. And there's, so that's, I talk a lot about that. I talk a lot about all the traumas. I talk a lot about being 40 and having to start over, being 50 and having to start over. I'm 57 and I'm starting over again. That it doesn't matter what age you're at, you, anything is possible. And I also talk about the, all the things that we think are going to fix our problem. They don't. The perfect man, the million dollars, the perfect vacation, the 
you know, if just this would happen, you know, I, you know, I was one of those people that would say if, if I just had a million dollars, everything would be just fine because money fixes everything. No, it doesn't. It fixes some what? things, but there, it opens no, doors for others. What? I made, I made that money and guess what? I was still miserable and I was still paralyzed and I still didn't want to leave the house and I was still riddled with anxiety. Right. Money can't fix those things. Dating the the best guy in the world isn't going to fix it, you know. And by the way, I did crazy, crazy athletic. You know, I was doing adventure racing. I was training six hours a day, and I doing these twelve hour races and and beating myself up physically because all that training did for me was, you know, when you train, it it releases all of these great drugs in your brain right endorphins and dopamine and and all that other fun stuff yeah yeah and so i'm thinking i'm getting in really great shape but mentally is what it was doing it was like preventing me from going down a rabbit hole yeah and then i stopped doing all that training and i stopped doing that racing and i was even more depressed because you didn't have that to bounce it out i didn't have the drug anymore the natural drug right and by the way i've never taken any type of um I don't know what they call them. I think they call them SSI or uh, antidepressant, any of those drugs I've never taken. I'm sure I'm a candidate for them, but I just, I, 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 um, you know, it's almost like I, I, I white knuckle it. I'm very homeopathic, but I think it, I, I'm not against anybody who takes those pills because I get it because I'm probably a candidate, especially when I'm, up all night or I'm up for 24 hours because I'm completely riddled with fear and paranoia. And I wonder why people around me aren't scared as well. Like, don't they get it? Like, this is a big problem, you know, and they're looking at me like, you know, I think being as brutally honest as some of these people are who write these books, like you are, the more honest they are, the more open they are, the more it offers different perspectives for people who are, going through similar things, even if it's not on the same level, but it's, it's close enough that they can start drawing the parallels and saying, well, this is what they did to fix it. Maybe that's an option for me to look into. And it kind of opens up, broadens their perspectives a little bit to either seek the help or find avenues to, you know, get themselves better. Yes. Um, it always feels better when you don't think that you're just so also in 1997, I had my third child. I had three babies back to back and nobody was talking about postpartum depression. And after my third, again, because when I was pregnant, I felt great. I had all those great, beautiful, natural drugs happening. And then I had my third child and hit the floor, hit the wall. And I didn't want to get out of bed. I just held this baby, drapes shut. And I didn't know why I didn't want to get out and see the light. I just didn't want to deal with anything because I was riddled with such fear again. Here we go. Like, why am I so scared? There's nothing to be scared of, but I'm scared. And, and also it, when those feelings come up, it's like a black cloud, go away, go away, you know? And, and then it just make, I feel so, I used to feel so bad about having those feelings that I just didn't even want to live. It was almost like, what's the point if I have to feel like this all the time? If I have to be scared all the time. And because I have such a confident exterior, 
people would say, you always seem like you have it so together. And I'm like, if they only knew I'm falling apart little by little every day, I'm just falling apart. And it's, so that's what really inspired me to write the book because I get that all the time where people just go, you have it so together. You're so this and this. And they're always like complimenting me. And, you know, and I'm thinking I have to write a book because that's my calling is to let people know I don't have it so together and I have to work at it. It's work. You you know, I have a routine now that's really, it's amazing to me because I have a routine that works for me. And when I don't follow my routine, because I have, you know, a little bit of OCD in me. If I don't follow my routine, I'm not a, I'm not a hand washer, but I have a routine. And I notice that when I travel or I change my routine, I start to feel that, that angst. And, and so now that I know that, I have tools, right? See, when we don't know something, we just think we're having a bad day or we're just being an asshole or we're just, you know, the one little thing can set us off, you know. And it's funny when we, you know, I don't know if this if you relate to this, but you know, when the one little thing happens and you just completely like lose it. And then I think later on, I'm like, I would not normally get pissed off about that. Why did I get so upset? Because it's not about that. Right. It's about the feeling inside of myself that got triggered by something outside of myself. It has nothing. It never has anything to do with any outside things because it's all about what's going on in the inside. Right. And so I talk a lot about that and my experience with it and the fact that it's not something, you know, that you can go to a motivational seminar and get these great tools, put them in your toolbox and go, great, I've got it. I'm all good. No. Somebody's got to be it, there to kind of guide you and it, show you how to use the tools. It doesn't work like that for this, these type of issues. I can be motivated. I, I feel that I'm a very up optimistic person, but when you're dealing with these traumas and serious mental s- things that you have, that takes a different type of mentorship. Right. And a lot of times, you know, people have whatever issue they're dealing with. It's, it's some of well, it's not just, it's not that bad or, you know, just, just don't think about it that way. Or those are the people that have never been in the situation to, understand the gravity of what's going on for the person they're talking to and to have somebody say, look, I've been in a very similar situation. This is what worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. I think that's, that's a huge asset to think to, to people. Yeah. I've actually had people say, you know, make remarks to me about, you know, I just don't have empathy for those people that, that take prescription pills or that, they feel like they want to kill. I just don't have empathy for that. That's just a, a cry for help. And I just think to myself, wow, you know, and I, I, it's not that I even have an opinion about that, but I think that is how the reason why so many people don't speak up about what they're suffering from, because that's the react. That is the, that's kind the of the norm. Re- that's the reaction is I just, you know, Oh, suck it up. You know, there's, like, you know what? There's such a stigma it's not, with it. There is such a stigma on these issues and 
really we're all here to guide each other and walk each other home and that's it that's the whole purpose right i would hate to can you imagine if i was sitting with somebody i said i'll suck it up and then the next day they weren't here right oh shit you know that's not like i mean i just think about that that keep that those kind of things keep me up at night because i i want to be somebody who's of service who's helping you know that's kind of been my my mo since i was 15 um, I've been uh, involved with the rescue squad, my local rescue squad. Um, I started out as a cadet, and by the time I was 16, I had my EMT license, and I've been doing that ever since. So for almost 30 years now, I've always wanted to be there and, and be that person that can help somebody in, in a pinch, and it, that's kind of translated into me becoming a police officer. Um, everything that I do... Uh, I try and look at it as a way as how can this improve other people or how can this other people, you know, whether it's as an EMT, whether it's as a police officer, whether as a, as a coach, um, you know, how I can help my family out, how I can help myself out, how I can help, help others out. And it's, I used to kind of think that like, and, and shove off the idea when people, Oh, it takes such a special person to, to be an EMT and to do that kind of stuff. And I used to always shake it up. No, it's not a big deal. Anybody can kind of do it. And, you know, hindsight in the last few years it's more like yeah i guess you kind of do need to be a have a certain mindset and you have have to be able to empathize and and you have to want to help people and it's beautiful i've seen people you know come through my squad that you know we're doing it for the right reasons and i've seen people come through it thinking it was going to be one thing not be something else and find out it's not for them so it's it's that's that's always my my drive is helping people and you know my goal and my philosophy with life is you know live your life however you want don't judge other people for doing something differently than the way you do it. And as long as it's not hurting anybody, keep doing it. Um, and that's kind of the mentality I'm trying to impart on one of my kids too, is, you know, life is what you make of it. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, go live and have experiences. Yeah. And get, and be of service. You know, I find that whenever I'm in my head about something, if the minute I go and help somebody else, I'm not thinking about what I'm, obsessing on and how beautiful how beautiful I just want to say congratulations I mean my god you know to have a a career like that of 30 plus years serving the community being an EMT being a police officer putting yourself right out there to be of service for other people is a beautiful thing so seriously congratulations thank you (laughs) um to kind of stay on that that same vein you there's a number of things that you've either advocated for or um, worked with, which some of it's anti-sex trafficking, some is um, the inmate education reform things, um, foster children things. What kind of brought about working with the Redemption Project? Well, I had the opportunity to meet Van uh, Van Jones on Necker Island with at a leadership retreat that Richard Branson did, and and Virgin Unite. And when I got involved with Virgin Unite. It's really to, to, to look at all these different philanthropic things that you can get involved with. And there were a lot of amazing leaders at that retreat. But Van, when he spoke, I didn't know anything about prison reform. And I didn't know anything about what he was involved in. And I'm one of those people that when I hear something that hits me and I think, wait a minute, I could help with that. You know, I, even if I just held one event for him in L.A., you know, that that's helping somehow. 
and he wrote a documentary. Uh, he's part of a documentary called The Redemption Movement and or The Redemption Project. And so I had a screening of it in L.A. This was right before the pandemic. I was just starting to get involved. And I had about 100 people come and watch the documentary and donate money. And that That's just, awesome. I love doing stuff like that. That's where I feel the most in line with myself because I'm not doing it for, I, there's, I'm not getting anything out of it. There isn't any money exchanging hands for me. And it's just, I get to be a part of something bigger than myself. And, and if it helps anybody get out of prison that doesn't belong in prison, right. then I did, I did something in a powerful way. You know, I, I, I look at the big picture and I don't want to leave this planet. I have, I have a lot of unfinished stuff to do, you know, and I, I have, so when people come to me and they say, you know, I have this I'm working on and it could help this or Deborah, do you want to go to Peru and see the, the kids that I help? And I was like, yes, I want to go. And I did that in 2014. And so I'm really, you know, those are the things that really move me and, I think really give, pull out the creativity because I think, wow, if this person has helped these many kids in all these different countries have an education, that's just one person. If we all, if we all did, all of us did something like that, if we all did one thing today that improved something or somebody else, oh my God. It's like the reverse so butterfly my effect. Yeah. So my daughter and I were, we go on these walks together and there's, I, we live in a nice area and there's all of a sudden there's all this trash on this street that we walk every day. And she goes, this is so terrible. Why would people leave their trash like this? And it's like a lot all of a sudden. And I said, well, guess what? Next time we come on this walk, let's bring some trash bags and let's pick it up. And she just looked at me like, oh my God, let's just do it now. And I, and I said, well, with everything that's going on, we let's go get gloves. And, right. you know, because there was, I mean, it's a lot. Like, we'll need a big hefty bag. And and so, but I, but that's the thinking. It's like, instead of looking at something and not doing anything, I said, we're, we're two human beings. We can pick up this trash. We can make, that would make a big difference in being a part of this whole system. Right. We're just a part of a system. That's all that's going on. You know, and when you, I, it took me a long time to realize that. Cog in the machine. And, yeah. I, <laughs> and I think that, I think that when it really hit me is when I was like, oh my God, I made money. I'm the number one agent. And here I go again. My ego started running the show again. And I thought, no, I'm not going to go down that road again. I've been there. I've seen what's there. Been to that, been to that party. No more. Now it's about what can I give back? What can yeah. I do? I don't need to go to the party. I've been to the show. I've been to the race. I've been, I've dated the rock stars. I, it's like, that's not what it's about for me anymore. Now it's about what can I give back? There's How something, can I show up? Yeah. There, sorry. There, there's something to be said about, and it's something I've, I've tried to explain, but I can never articulate it properly. There's a feeling that you get knowing that you've made a positive impact in somebody's life. And that's, that was one of the things that I always enjoyed. If that's even the right word 
when I was helping somebody on the ambulance. You know, I'm, I'm coming to their aid at a very, usually very bad circumstance for them. But knowing that I was able to, to do something just for the sake of helping out a fellow human and seeing them get better, you know, get them to the hospital, know that there was improvement, you know, saving their life, whatever the case may be. Knowing that I was really genuinely helping somebody, it, there's a, a feeling that you get that you just you can't explain. And it's just a phenomenal feeling that I wish everybody could experience at least once in their life. Yeah. I do too. I do too. It's beautiful. So are there any of the tools that you use to be as successful in the insurance industry that you use to kind of project everything else that you're doing, your, your motivational speaking and and the other things that you've done? I think that, you know, life insurance is a really tough subject, you know, because I'm in the business of selling life insurance. But what I'm really, what do I really do is I help people prepare for unexpected life events. And I use a tool that's a wealth creating uh, tax free vehicle. And so while there are so many great benefits to having life insurance, you're also talking about a subject that can be really difficult for some people. Like I don't want to make money off of somebody's dying. And it's not really about that. It's more about protecting all the things that you've worked so hard for and doing it in a way where you don't have to give it to the government. It's tax. It's a tax free vehicle. So, so yeah. So a lot of the things that I, that I, you know, it's not about making a sale. It's about adding value to my client. If I can't add value to them, then I don't really, I don't want that karma. I don't want to, I don't want to just sell a product that they're not happy with, or they don't, they, I don't want them to have the remorse. You know, when you buy something, you're like, ah, okay, good. That was money well spent. That's how I want my clients to feel. So I'm not, I'm not a salesy person. I'm just not going to. If somebody wants life insurance, they know where to, they know that I'm pretty good at what I do. So, and that I'll get it done. So they know where to find me. And I don't, you know, when I, when I first started out, unfortunately, because I was hungry and I needed to make money and I was all about getting a sale, it was different. I still feel that I was selling a good pro, you know, a good product and all of that. But my, the way I do it now has changed completely. And, and I'm more, I'm more connected. I think there's, you know, a bad with a lot of things that, especially in today's environment, there's a lot of things that have a bad connotation. They have bad, um, things have been done that have left bad tastes in people's mouth about specific things. Insurance is one of them. And I have a, a friend of mine who, because I've actually contemplated getting the license that you have, um, to mentor me, he is of the same mindset as you is he want, he truly believes that the products that he's selling people is going to better them and better their family. If God forbid something happens, it's leaving people in it. He's truly helping people. And yes. he doesn't really deal too much with like you know, the whole term and life insurance. And in that aspect, it's more, you know, the casualty insurance, the, you know, final, um, you know, things, funeral costs, things like that, uh, catastrophic cancer, illness type things. Yep. Really setting people up to be protected in in facets that, you know, your health insurance might not cover and, and things like that. And, and that's kind of what drew me to that is the way he pitched it to me was 
he's genuinely helping people. And, and that's yes, kind of what's gotten absolutely. the wheels going in my head. So. Absolutely. And that's, that's the goal is to help whatever the client's needs are. And so that, that I've learned a lot, you know, these last 10, 12 years. And I think that's what's so beautiful about what I'm doing now and writing and having the book and having my website. And it's like everything has led me to this moment. You know, every when I look back on my journey and, I, you know, writing the book was so tough because I had to look at a lot of things, especially things that I'm not proud of. And and by looking at all of that, I was like, that's what's gotten me. I don't have to beat myself up anymore because there's a reason why all of these things have happened. They've gotten me to where I am. And for some reason, by the grace of God, you know, I survived a lot of things that most people should not survive. And so I have to feel really blessed and grateful that I'm here for a reason. I got to do I got to keep being of service because I'm here for some reason. And I'm sure that'll be revealed at some point, <laughs> you know, more will be revealed. And I'm sure I'm with the book. I'm sure that that's that's the gift that will come from doing the book. To uh, before I, I shift gears to the the final part of asking you some probably ridiculous questions, where can people <laughs> where can people find you and, and you know read up on you and, and you know, find your book when it's published and all that other fun stuff? So up until the book release, I'm blog. I'm doing a lot of blogging on my website, which is debradriggs.com, and Instagram. I am posting. All of my journey on Instagram, interviews such as this, I, I take these interviews and I take what I think is a really good message out of this interview and I'll put it in my stationery, so to speak, and then I post. So I post a lot of my interviews, I post a lot of my quotes, I post my blogs on Instagram at Deborah Driggs, and then my website is www.debradriggs.com. And that, that will be where all the, the book release and all of that. But yeah, any upcoming appearances, if I do anything live, um, and like I said, I'm, I, I write a blog once a week, and there are experiences that are coming right out of my book. Got it. I'll make sure that I, I put all those links in the show notes so people can, can jump on that. Um, are you, Thank you. Are you still planning on doing the motivational talks that you're doing before COVID, or did COVID kind of put a pause on that, or...? stop you from doing that i am but with these i have two book projects right now that i'm working on once once i get them on the right track then yes i will definitely start back up got it so first question you have a sweet tooth or are you more for savory foods i have a sweet tooth i'm yeah. a dark chocolate dark chocolate covered almonds <laughs> I can eat a whole bag. Um, I have a sweet tooth as well, and it's not a healthy sweet tooth. <laughs> <laughs> I try and fight it, but anytime I see something gummy related or, or candy or sugar, it's just, oh, yeah. I got to eat it. It's like uh, the movie Elf. Is there sugar in it? Yeah. And yes, yes. So let's see. Would you rather have a circus act as a trapeze artist or lion tamer? Lion tamer. I think that's a little more on the thrilling side, so I would agree. Although trapeze artists, they do some pretty insane things at some insane heights. Would you rather go camping on the beach or in the woods? 
That's such a <laughs> difficult question because I want both. Agreed. Uh, I'll say the beach. I think I'm going to have to take the woods. I just, I, I, as much as I love the beach. and I, I love them both. Believe me, I, that's, a t- that's a very difficult question. I would love falling asleep to the waves hitting the, the shore, but there's something about the, the serene silence of, of the woods. Yep, I agree. And I think the last question I'm going to go with is, finish the next line. Roses are red, violets are blue. I love you. <laughs> uh, what's a good rhyme for that? Yeah, I can't pull one out of my head like that. Usually, I can. I can. I can finish things like that. And yeah, nothing's coming to my mind. Roses are red, violets are blue. The sky's the limit, and so are you. I can't disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I greatly appreciate your time. Um, I will definitely let you know when we release this and I will make sure everybody can find everything you put in any final thoughts, comments or anything before we, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me this time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my story and the willingness to share it for me. And thank you for sharing your story with me and all the service that you do. (laughs) Thank you for your time. I always, I always appreciate the time, especially, you know, somebody that, doesn't know me giving me their time and usually I only do about a 45 minutes but I think I'm going to push this into two episodes so it's always Yay! good stuff um, awesome. <laughs> but I'm, I'm always grateful of people who can give me the time to just chat I'm I started this because I enjoy generally just talking to people and engaging with people especially of different well that definitely comes so. across good for I, you that definitely comes across I thank you that. thank you thanks for listening to another episode of adding context follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or visit us at addingcontext.com. You can also support our show via Patreon, send us feedback and show ideas to podcast at addingcontext.com.